Well, to change things up a little bit, I, I haven't done this. I don't preach Christmas messages. Usually I'll preach you Holy Spirit conviction on Christmas Day, but today we're going to have a Christmas message. And I want you to turn to Micah 5.2. Jonah, Micah, way in the back of the Old Testament. Micah 5.2. on page 1363 in, in my Bible. Some of yours might be like mine. Uh, it's very, very close to the end of the Old Testament. So just back up a little bit from Zephaniah and Habakkuk and Haggai. It's back there. Okay. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Just bow our heads. Father, we ask thee to bless this message to our hearts today that we'll learn about our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll learn about ourselves and our great need of him. We thank thee for thy word, for preserving it for us. A precious word it is indeed. And we ask you to give a hunger and thirst to each and every one of us for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his word. We pray in his name. Amen. If you now will turn to the first chapter. Matthew. Now keep your place over there in Micah 5. If you got a ribbon or a piece of paper, put it there in Micah 5 too. And we're going to jump uh, over to Matthew. The end of the chapter of Matthew, and I'm going to read to you. Starting with verse 20. To the end of the chapter, and then just a couple verses into chapter 2. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. 
And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Now, if you will notice, the very first prophet to be quoted in the New Testament is Isaiah. That's in Matthew 1.23. Here's what the prophecy of Isaiah said. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. But the very honor of being the second one to be quoted in the New Testament is Micah. Micah in Matthew 1, 2, 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. The quote from Micah is in verse 5. Isaiah speaks of his birth. Micah, the place of his birth. A virgin shall conceive, says Isaiah. Micah says she'll do it in Bethlehem. Isaiah said, His name shall be God with us. Micah says, He's been from everlasting or from eternity. Well, that day in Bethlehem, when our Lord was born, were both prophecies fulfilled. And both of them made some 700 years before the birth of Christ. Turn to Revelation 19.10. I want to show you. Interesting scripture over there speaking about prophecy. The very last part of that verse where it says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. These prophecies testified of the Lord Jesus Christ before he was born, and on the day that he was born, these prophecies were fulfilled. They are a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. From David to the son of David, and we read of no other being born in Bethlehem. No record of anyone else but those two in the scriptures born in Bethlehem. Be that as it may, here's one thing for sure, that none other, none other ever had his outgoings from everlasting but Christ. Now, there's always been a controversy among the Jews about the virgin birth, but they were in full agreement about the place. Now, why do I say a controversy? Because... The Jews did not believe that our Lord Jesus Christ was virgin born. Look at John 8, 41. John 8, 41. If our Lord Jesus Christ was the Son of God and was the Messiah, certainly he would have been virgin born because they knew that scripture also. But here's how they looked at the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 41, he says, Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. You know what that was? 
It was slander. It was saying, hey, you say that you were virgin born. Come on, ain't no such thing. You're born of fornication. Said, we have one father, even God, not you. Uh-uh. Now, we know all about you. Uh-huh. Your mother wasn't even married when you were conceived. See, fornication. give you an example of how they believed in the place the king demanded where Christ should be born Matthew 2 4 you there Matthew 2 4 and it was agreed upon that it was in Bethlehem let me turn and read that to you again these are good scriptures Matthew 2, 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. So there was no problem about the place. The virgin birth, they kind of scorned at. Now, it was common knowledge, and they even used the place against the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John 7, 41. John 7, 41. Our Lord couldn't win. Because of their unbelief. John 7, 41. And others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. See, they didn't know he was born in Bethlehem. They thought he was from Galilee. That's where his house was. That's where the carpenter shop was, up in Galilee. All right. Now this person, this one born in Bethlehem has two comings forth and both of these set forth his two natures. His first coming forth from Bethlehem on earth. That's his manhood. Turn to Galatians 4.4 4, and we'll see how that took place. Galatians 4.4 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Of course, now the reason to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's one coming forth. And then he had a coming forth from everlasting or eternity, and that's his deity. First from Bethlehem, as David's son. And then from eternity as David's Lord. Look at Matthew twenty-two forty-one. Matthew twenty-two forty-one. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Well, they say unto him, the son of David. Well, he saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, 
The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? See, they knew about David. They knew about the Lord Jesus Christ, but they did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not know him as God. They did not know him as Lord as David did. All right, our scripture that we read in Micah says, And out of thee shall he come forth. And so he was born temporal. That's his local birth, Bethlehem. And as he was eternal, no place contains him. He fills both heaven and earth. Look at Psalm 102, verse 19. Psalm 102, 19. Oh, the wonders of God's Word, the wonders of our Redeemer. Psalm 102, 19, For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner and to loose those that are appointed to death. Who's a prisoner? That's you and I. Who's appointed to death? You and I. Whose groanings did he hear? Yours and mine. He looked down from the heights of heaven on sinners. Now the plan of this sending of love was made before the world ever was. Turn to Ephesians 1.4. Didn't happen accidentally. The fullness of time didn't just happen to be planned to the moment. Ephesians 1.4, according, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, before the world was built, chosen in Christ that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Who is that? Who's he talking about? He's talking about those he gave to Christ. He's talking about every individual the Lord Jesus Christ died for. He's talking about every individual that hungers and thirsts after righteousness and who are filled because they hunger and thirst. He's talking about every individual that cries to God for mercy and who get mercy from him. That's what he's talking about. Not everybody in the world. This is having predestinated us. It's not talking about mankind in general. It's talking about God's people, those in his family, those he has chosen to be his. Now remember, if he hadn't have chosen you, if he hadn't have chosen me, if he hadn't chosen anybody, nobody would have ever come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. All right, now Matthew 2.6 says he'll be a governor or guide to the people. Well, let me take a peek at Matthew 2.6 again, read it to you. Matthew 2.6, and thou Bethlehem. 
In the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. See, that's a quotation from Micah. Now, what better guide or governor to tell us about heaven? when he's the only one that came down from heaven. So he's a, a wonderful guide to tell us about heaven. In fact, look at John 14, verses 1 through 3. John 14, 1 through 3. Even his own disciples, those that lived with him, walked with him, ate with him, knew him as well as anybody on earth could, still were subjected to heart troubles. So he tells them, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. How does he know that? Well, he's been there. That's where he came from. He knows exactly what's there. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, he was more than a guide. Our Lord Jesus Christ was a priest who could have compassion upon us. Turn to Hebrews 4.15. I'm making you do a lot of turning today, but I want you to see these scriptures. Hebrews 4.15 For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Besides being a priest, he was a prophet to speak the words of God to us. Look at Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Deuteronomy 18.15. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Old Testament, up near the front. Deuteronomy 18. Verses 15, 18, and 19. This is real great reading in the Old Testament. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me, Unto him ye shall hearken. Verse 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Not only was he a priest and a prophet, he's a king and the greatest of kings. Turn to Revelation 19:16, and you're going to see one of the final tributes to our Lord Jesus Christ, his conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. This day is coming, and you and I will be there at this coronation. We will be there with him. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings. And Lord of Lords, and look how big that's written. That's in total capital letters. He is our King. Now, to be every one of these prophet, 
priest and king is to be the perfect guide to mankind. But it gets more involved because mankind does not want the guide. Can you imagine such a thing? Well, you and I don't have to imagine it because we see it in front of us, beside us, in our families, everywhere. They don't want the guide. Look at John 5.40. John 5.40. Imagine having God with you in the flesh talk to you and he would say, you will not come to me that you might have life. That's the natural human heart. They will not to come to Christ. While you're in John, look at John 1.11. John 1.11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Just something you can't imagine. But Isaiah 53, 3 told us that's how it was going to be. Turn over there briefly. I can read it to you, though. Isaiah 53, 3, he's despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Can you imagine God? God in the flesh, the God-man, being despised and rejected of men. And he never did a person wrong. He never sinned. You know, some people can be so nice religiously, but they can cut you up and down on your back, in your front, wherever you are. And it's, it's hidden, but there was no hidden factors in our Lord Jesus Christ. The perfect person, so much so that God three times from heaven spoke in an audible, loud voice, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and he's despised and rejected of men. That's the natural human heart. So the Father gave him a people to guide. If they didn't accept him, if they didn't want him, the Father provided a people. Turn to John 6 and look at verse 37. John 6 and verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. See, that's cut and dried. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. The Father gave him a people, and they shall come. There's nothing in the world going to keep the ones that the Lord, the Father gave to the Lord Jesus Christ from coming to him. Statement of fact. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Why does he have to say that? Because that sinner coming to the Lord Jesus Christ has a broken heart. 
he has a broken and a contrite spirit and he feels so perfectly unworthy, legally unworthy, totally unworthy of any kind of mercy whatsoever. And so the Lord's assuring him, I won't cast you out, you just come. You just come no matter how unworthy, how filthy, how vile, how heartbroken you are, and I won't cast you out, just come. All right, let's read the next couple verses, because this is the Father's plan. This is his idea. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. So it's the Father's will for all of this salvation. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, that's election, everybody, that hated word out here in religion, all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. What's talking about? We're going to be changed, resurrection. Dead folks are going to get new bodies. Living folks are going to have their bodies changed so they're capable of standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinless bodies. That's what that means. Okay. Now, these folks are told that there's a narrow way and it's difficult to find. You see, the guide's going to instruct them now. The Father gives him a people to guide. Now, here's the information the guide gives them. Turn to Matthew 7 and look at verse 13 and 14. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. That's warning. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. It's a narrow way, and it's even difficult to find. Because few even find it. And then many of those that find it don't make it all the way. Because it's too straight. It's too narrow. It's too confining. God's people all make it. All the elect make it. Everyone the Lord Jesus Christ died for make it. Well, God gives wisdom to his people to know that they need a guide. I'll give you an example of that. Turn to Acts 8.31. The book of Acts 8.31. Here was a traveler from a strange country out in the desert by himself reading God's word. How come? Well, the Lord had touched this man's heart. This is one of the elect. This is some of the work of the Spirit, working on a elect soul. But is he proud? He can find it himself? No. Let's see what he says. Verse 31, And he said, Well, let me read verse 31. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. 
and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? You see, God's people lose that pride somewhere down the line. It all goes out. I need help. I need guidance. Even the wise men that came from the east asked directions. Look at Matthew 2.2, 2, back to our scripture. Matthew 2.2. 2. Behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, verse 2 now, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star and are come to worship him. How can we find him? Give us some directions. And our God, in his wise providence, has ordained a way for the elect to obtain direction. How did he do that? Turn to 1 Corinthians one twenty-one. 1 Corinthians one twenty-one is the way that God has seen fit to give direction and instruction to God's people. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God to, by the foolishness of preaching, to save them that believe. God has ordained preaching. If he hadn't, I wouldn't be here. I'd just be another sinner out in the congregation or somebody's congregation or wandering. Around. If there was no preaching, we all have no hope. This is God's method of delivering the message of redemption to people by taking an old sinner, one whom he's redeemed, one whom he's forgiven his sins, one whose heart he has opened to spiritual things to tell you a little bit about his experiences and about the Word of God. Yep, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, even in this, there's a danger for some who are blind take upon themselves to be guides of others and they all fall into the ditch. There are many false preachers, believe me, but let's look at Matthew 15, verse 13. Matthew 15 and verse 13. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. He said, but he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. And there's a lot of plants that look just like God's plants. They'll be rooted up. But listen to this. But let them alone... They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. You can't help but feel sorry for them, because some of these blind leaders are some of the nicest, most moral people you'd ever want to know. Put us to shame. Now, oh, what a guide is Christ. He's the way... And the end, both. As God, he is the end, the end of our journey. As a man, he is the way and the guide. 
his doctrine our guide, his life, his example, the way. You know, there's one fellow who is very critical and very observant of everything in the Scriptures. He gives us a very good commentary on the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 Peter 2.22. 1 Peter 2.22. We have Peter saying, Who did no sin and neither was guile found in his mouth. Now, he was with the Lord for three years. He ate with him, he slept with him, he walked with him, he heard him preach. He even had the Lord heal his mother-in-law. That was real gracious, Peter, have that done. And it's so important to make haste along the way. Now, the wise men followed the star, which was their guide, and they, with inquiring, got to Christ. They worshipped him. But the scribes, they taught the way. They read lectures, but they carried behind. They never got to Christ. As our guide... Our Lord Jesus has great skill in overcoming our enemies. I want you to turn to Hebrews 2.14 to see what I mean. Hebrews 2.14 For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So you see, he is powerful. He can overcome our enemies. And then he leads his people like sheep. He's a shepherd to his people. Turn to John 10, 14. John 10, 14. And then 27 and 28. 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Verse 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. Boy, that's definite. No ifs, ands, or buts there either. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, as our guide, he feeds his people. Okay, John 6, 48. You're real close there now. John 6, 48. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, strangely enough, Bethlehem means house of bread. Beth means house, Lehem means bread, 
And Ephrata means plenty. Our Lord not only came from Bethlehem, He is our Bethlehem, plenty of bread. I would give advice, don't leave home without it. Turn to Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You have got to hunger and thirst after Christ in order to be saved. The Lord gives you that hunger. He gives you that thirst. But you've got to want it too. You've got to ask the Lord to give you that hunger and thirst. And those that have it, they'll be filled. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Our Lord Jesus then can lead us as a guide, protect us as our, as our great protector. He can overcome Satan. He did. And he can feed us. And above all, not just to lead us, protect us, and feed us. He loves us. Turn to Jeremiah 31.3 and I'll show you something that has no beginning. A love that has no beginning and no ending. Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. It has no beginning. It has no ending. Only our language has a beginning. We have to use a word for starting points. So the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. Does that help you any? Well, the Bible might say from eternity. Does that help you any? No, you can't comprehend it. Everlasting has no beginning and it's going to have no ending. And because of that love, this started way back before you and I ever existed, before the world existed. He says, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Come to Christ as our Bethlehem. House of bread, plenty of bread, our house of bread, and you should never hunger again. And I want to tell you what, this Savior, born in Bethlehem, some 2,000 years ago, our living God, our intercessor, our high priest, our mediator, who has all power in heaven and earth, says, come unto me, all ye that labor, and I'll give you rest. He stoops yet to invite sinners to himself. Those that come under the sound of the gospel, no matter where it is, are invited. 
You can't worry about the heathen in India or in Africa or Asia that never hear. Don't worry about those. That's God's business. If he has seen fit for you to be under the gospel, the invitation's for you. He gives the invitation, not the preacher, not the church, to Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Matthew 11:28. I want you to see it. Matthew 11:28. Our great God-Man Redeemer invites sinners to come to Him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And on top of that, you come to Christ, who is our bread, born in the in Bethlehem, which is the city of bread, house of bread, rather. But you also never 